Hello, and welcome to the Friday Night Nicktoons podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Casey. Last week, we had a Nicktoons sleepover and discussed three sleepover-based episodes. We also sent out our weekly Twitter poll asking which sleepover you would like to attend most. Pearl from SpongeBob was the winner by a pretty decent amount, although Human, Kimberly from Cat Scratch, and Courtney from Ads Pulled by Ginger pretty much split the rest of the vote. This time, we're doing our first movie episode. We'll be discussing Rugrats in Paris for our entire podcast. We also have our trivia round after the discussion. Which hopefully will go better than last time. <laughs> yeah, Thanks that was rough. <laughs> now let's get started. Alright, so we only have one major segment for you guys today. We'll be discussing the 2000 animated film Rugrats in Paris. And for those of you that haven't seen this before, basically the main and pretty much only plot of this movie is that they are all going to Paris to visit this Reptar World theme park. And then there's also a plot with uh, Chaz is finding a new wife, and that's pretty much the the main gist of it. There's a couple of small B-plots, but that's, that's the main deal. Yeah, and the main reason that they're going there is because uh, Stu Pickles is the, like, engineer dude working on Reptar, and uh, you would assume more at the theme park, right? <laughs> yeah, but, but Reptar isn't working right, and so they're like, you know what, we're gonna fly him out, which... To be entirely honest, it seems a little strange that they would never have him actually physically working on it. Right. They just, like, schematics and sent them, I guess. But, like, when would that ever be a thing? Yeah, so... But they, they go to Paris, and it's a... For, let's discuss this right off the bat. The age-old question of why are they in a Japanese theme park in Paris, France? They don't. They yeah. hint at it, and they never really explain why. Yeah, it doesn't. It it it's strange because you would think. I could I could see such a thing being in like the United States somewhere. Right. But I I feel like France isn't. Does France even have like any or Paris specifically have any major theme parks chilling in it? I think there's a Disneyland in Paris. Yeah, that sounds right. Maybe that's what they were getting at then? Well, they do have the It's a Small World-themed ride, but it's with, like, Nicktoon slime. <laughs> so, because they always call it Euro Reptar. Right. And Disneyland Paris was originally called Euro Disney. Oh, that is what they're going so I think, for. I think that's what they're going for. I mean, we just answered our own question, but and, I, and I guess, like... And Reptar is, like, a Godzilla. Reptar happens to be Japanese. Right. Okay. He's like their Godzilla, basically. I I, I guess I, I guess I'll let it slide. Do you want to talk about this <laughs> this uh this Godfather opening and closing of the movie? It's uh yeah, it, it's an interesting. It one. has like this parody logo that looks like just like the Godfather logo and things too. And I feel like that's that's one of those things that's definitely geared towards the adults because I can tell you I did not get it whatsoever when I was watching it. Yeah. 
No, it's, uh, and it's very... I to clarify, I got it now. Right, it's very unsubtle. The Bob father, they're calling Angelica, and she's saying, like, so you're, you're coming to me on this, the day of, uh... She doesn't say my daughter's wedding, obviously. I forget what the exact... Oh, uh, I think they just said the wedding, even. Yeah, the day of this wedding or something. Um, and so it's kind of like a, what is going on? And they cut to the main wedding, which is, uh, between Grandpa Lou and his lovely fiance. It's, it's really cute, actually. They're this old power couple, but... Yeah, they're, they're amazing. They're both full of personality and life, and they're, like, what I want to be like when I'm an old person. It's really inspiring to see... So at this wedding, the uh, the adults are all mingling, and Angelica's mom goes, oh, she only saw a scene or two of the Godfather. It couldn't have left an impression. And then we cut back, and Angelica is, you know, playing the Godfather, and the babies are coming to her with these humble requests. <laughs> it's, it's actually it's pretty entertaining. And I love there's it. There's a reference to, like, the, um, the horse, you know, like, they have, like, a broken rocking horse's head and stuff. <laughs> right. um, it's like these, these references. But um, I, I think it's I think it's a good way to keep the parents interested. But I don't know why that. Like I I don't know. I guess why not? It's a little random. But so the first major emotional moment of this movie is at Grandpa Lou's wedding. The DJ calls for all of the babies for them to dance with their moms and it's this really sad nostalgic song that's playing and Chucky is just kind of staring at all of his friends and we we find out shortly after that his mom has passed I think find out maybe it, it's revealed in an earlier episode but yeah I think it's mentioned in the show but it's reiterated but it's, it's not as direct as this and it's not as emotional as this I, I think there's like an episode or two and that might even be post this this, right, because um, they make it pretty clear that uh, Chucky's dad, you know, shows him all these pictures and says, like, she's watching us from heaven, and it's very sad. And we we see that the journey is going to at least somehow involve Chucky's search for a mom. Yeah, and he does go to Angelica. Yeah. Oh. Father. And request, because everyone's making their requests, and his request is, for a new mommy. So it's, you know, it's, and it's, it's a main part of the theme of this. I would say probably the main plot that you really care about in this movie is, you know, the search for the mom. And oh, it's, it's so sad too, because Chucky's this timid, like scared of the world kind of a kid. And you could see that, you know, it, it's just hard for him to deal with not having a mom in his life. And I don't know, that, that dancing scene specifically oh, is just rough. It really is. You'd think, too, that they would, like, know that Chucky's there and maybe avoid having such a thing happen. Maybe they would tell the DJ, like, what kind of dances they want. I don't know. Right. So then we we get introduced to kind of the second main focus of the, or I guess a similar focus, because it has to do with Chucky getting a mom. Yeah, uh, it ties in. Chucky's dad gets, sets up an online dating profile, which is kind of a funny introduction to the fact that he's, you know, on the prowl again. We had some great quotes come from that. Yeah. Starting with, he's, uh, you know, he's making his profile, and they're like, you gotta love the internet. <laughs> they're just marveling. <laughs> early thousands kind of a way. And, um, Surprised they didn't yeah, call it the World Wide Web. 
they he, he puts his profile up and he's like, Look, you've already gotten twelve dates and he responds, But that's triple my lifetime. Oh <laughs> like, It's like a self wrecked yeah. <laughs> And he's he's not even like trying to be like hard on himself either. He's kinda like excited that like, wow, there's so much potential out there. Yeah, exactly. I mean as a bureaucrat bachelor you would think <laughs> oh man and so the babies are like uh chucky's dad is looking for a date and lil goes what's a date and phil says they're like big raisins that make you poop <laughs> <laughs> that's one that i don't think i got as a kid either i don't think i actually knew what a date was i didn't either like food yeah obviously <laughs> So then we have kind of the plot gets set in motion. We see in France, the Reptar, it's like this opera performance of Reptar. It's very strange. I don't know why that's like a major attraction in an amusement park. But anyway, the Reptar like has all these malfunctions and they're like, we've got to call up the pickles. And because of the time difference, I assume they have the call gets to stew in the middle of the night. And yeah, I think they're in California. I think that's, like, shown at some point. Yeah. That would be nine hours. Pretty big time difference. Right. So it's the middle of the night, and Stu picks up the phone, and <laughs> he just is completely incoherent, and it's kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. And uh, he said, he hangs up the phone. They say, we need you in France. And they say something about Reptar being, you know, messed up. And he says, well, Reptar is a hit. And, uh, they say, okay, you need to go, you basically, they tell him you need to come to France and he incoherently kind of says, okay, hangs up and he tells his wife that they have to go to France and she goes, oh, Stu, I'm too tired to dance. <laughs> They're both laying there in bed, completely delirious. They both immediately wake up, their heads snap and they go, France! <laughs> I found this to be a relatable moment and I know you, Casey, are also like that when you first wake up, just like incoherent. It happened after our sleepover. Where like I set my phone as an alarm, and I'll like try to answer it, and I'm like, "Who's calling me?" It's like <laughs> definitely like hit home with the when you first wake up and you're just like, you just don't process the world <laughs> yeah. properly. It's a great moment. And it's, it can be really embarrassing, but also hilarious. Oh man! So yeah. the plot is set in motion. They are, they fly to Paris, and uh, the plane, the plane has all sorts of hijinks that we won't get into for time reasons, but yeah. they I then... Yeah, I do want to talk about, they do have, um, Chucky's, the song, oh. that I Want a Mom That'll Last Forever song, while he's looking out the window at some point, oh. that got me, like, so hard as a kid. It's so sad, and it just reiterates the whole, here's the journey from the baby's perspective. He, Chucky thinks he's going to find a new mom, and maybe he will. Let's find out. Uh, so when they arrive in Paris, they switch to, like, a shuttle bus, like a coach bus kind of thing, and I just, I thought this was our first of two or three hashtag racked of the episodes. Angelica and the babies are heading towards the bus, and Angelica says, the prettiest, smartest girl gets the best seat. And Phil offhandedly says, then why is she in a hurry? <laughs> I just wanted, like, those YouTube montages with the shaky camera. Like, oh! <laughs> like, 360 no-scoped or whatever. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, to be fair, 
She's a little bit arrogant there, Angelica, <laughs> you know. I mean, she it's good is... good for her to get put in her place. She is the smartest by age, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, that's, that's fair. Yeah, I also remember at some point she was like, you babies are as dumb here as you are at home. And I was like, right. well, duh. <laughs> like, yeah, why would they get smart? Why would she expect them to be smarter? We switch over to Stu going into the office. And there's a couple of pretty harsh moments that happen here. And we are reintroduced to uh, Coco. That's her name, right? Uh, yeah, Madame Labouche. Yes. It's just this Coco. terrible, awful woman. And he walks in and she says... Oh, look at the brilliant designer. And Stu says, well, I wouldn't say brilliant. And she responds with, neither would I. <laughs> yeah, and we just immediately realize what this character is about. She's in a, she's a villain for the kids to immediately hate. She's an overt, like, snobby French stereotype. She wants nothing but to see our hero's hopes and dreams fall apart. That is her function yeah. in this movie. She's like money obsessed yeah and that's like the whole theme she's she's ridiculously one-dimensional i would say nearly problematically shut so it's it's a kids movie we'll let it go you know like yeah kids 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 villains are never particularly subtle you know you need it to be obvious but she has a boss uh i forget his name but uh angelica always calls him mr yummy sushi it's like yamaguchi or something and he is voiced by Mako, who is Uncle Iroh on The Last Airbender. I could Im- I immediately recognized the voice and got very sad. <laughs> anyway. But it was, he, he says, like, oh, I'm looking for somebody to head the new, some, to be the new head of the company or something, some, or the head of the amusement park sector, I don't know. Right. And he's like, oh, so you're picking me? And he's like, well, you know, I really want somebody who's more family-oriented. So she's looking for a man who has a kid who wants to get married. How convenient, really. (laughs) It is clever. It kind of gives her a reason to really passionately want to ruin everything that the babies want, you know? That's true. Angelica, being the person that she is, basically just, like, throws his name out there and is like, just go for it. Like, here, I'll help set you up. And she gets promised all these things, like a float in the parade. It's really messed up. I don't know. Like, pretty dark, considering that's, like, messing with multiple people's lives. It's one of the one of the worst things that she does, I think. And they're negotiating with, like, a four-year-old. I think it's more messed up on the adult side of things. Like, imagine if this true. happened in real life and how much fire they would come under. Yeah, they they definitely don't act properly as adults in many aspects of this movie. Many yeah. moments. Like, they're, they're just completely self-serving. There's her and she has, like, this assistant who is a pretty much useless character other than, I don't know, to do a couple of things, but... Right. And also be a French unreal. stereotype. So we go... Uh, one side moment at, on this journey I want to talk about that we thought was hilarious. They go to a karaoke sushi bar, which is hilarious in and of itself. Just two stereotypes <laughs> in one. And there's the and the, <laughs> there's this whole musical number with sumo wrestlers 
doing like a, a karaoke song and like full choreography and everything. And one of the babies, I forget which reference mentions, that's gotta be one stinky diapy referring to one of the sumos and their, their clothing. <laughs> it's either Phil or Lil. I'm bran- yeah. blanking on which one, but I, I remember that line from when I was a kid and I thought it was ridiculously funny then too. I remember just dying. Yeah, it holds up for sure. And around this point is when Kimmy gets introduced to us, which obviously if you watch the show, you know that she stays around for a while and she's great. She really is. And her and her mom are such a welcome addition to the show, I think. They're so like, they're both just very kind and reasonable people, you know, Kimmy... Kimmy doesn't do a whole lot in this movie yet. It's more just her introduction, but they're set up as this, like, it almost seems like they're the puzzle piece to Chaz and Chucky that they're missing, you know? It, it, their yeah. family, them becoming a, ultimately becoming a family really makes sense, the way that they're set up. Yeah, and I, I also, like, she is, she is pretty brave, I would say, and that kind of, you know, counterbalances Chucky and his, fearfulness and I think that they would probably eventually you know help to build each other up in that way and that she like you know helps bring him out and do more things because he's definitely very shy kid and she's not shy at all she's right and it's similar with uh Chaz and Kira Kira works for Madame LaBouche and she's you know this kind of meek and they describe her as like a mouse like but she really knows to stand up for what she believes in and she doesn't seem afraid to speak her mind or if she is she overcomes it you know so she's a great pairing with Chaz as well for a lot yeah. of reasons the the what I love about this movie is they don't need to spend much time on the romance side of it because it's so clear from how much they love their kids that they'll work well together you know that they both have this you know love of child rearing and being a part of their kids lives that you just you know it'll work out you know whether that's realistic or not I don't think it matters it works for the movie yeah, and they, they both reference to there's the this poem, oh. and I forgot the name, but yeah. it's it's a poem about basically about their children. Something like the entire thing is just a bunch of things about how much they love their kids, and like they find out that they both, well, Kira is actually feeding in advice to Madame Bouche, Coco, yeah, to like get him to, you know fall in love with her because she hates kids of course so she needs to fake it and she needs an like some an implant in her ear telling her what the right things are to say and who better than kira who loves her kid and it's, it's also oh god this, this woman's terrible just awful she she's like dealing with dill for a minute and she's kind of you know trying to trying to hold him or whatever she's just like Hello, you are not horrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines in like, the whole movie. That's great. <laughs> you are not horrible. The best way to put it, you know, she's trying to tolerate this kid. That's her putting an effort into being kind, right? Right. And so, and so Chucky's dad starts quoting this poem to Coco, 
and uh, Kira knows it. So Kira is in some he- business headquarters somewhere, and she is, re- as Chaz is reciting this poem, she's speaking it with him and completing the lines, but he has no idea. It's my favorite scene in the whole movie, that there, there's this unknown connection between them that he has no idea. He thinks it's Coco, and he's going to learn eventually just how terrible Coco is. But she's pretty much just, you know, making him think that she's this perfect woman for him when she's right. horrid. She can't remember his name. She calls him Chad instead of Chess. Yes, multiple times. And I think even at the end. And he, he's such a pushover that he just ignores it all and thinks, well, she's got to be the one. She knew the poem that I recited because Kira was helping her, obviously. And she loves Chucky. She doesn't. She's very poorly faking it, but... He's falling for it. It's it's hard to watch. I think part of it too is you know he wants to find somebody, and I think he kind of wants the pieces to fit. You know exactly. He, he wants it to work out. And she's trying so hard that he's like, "Oh, it must be meant to be," not knowing that it's entirely a business decision. <laughs> it's yeah. so awful. The more you dissect it, the more <laughs> the more repulsing it is. Yeah, she's straight terrible, really. Yeah. Especially involving herself with these kids' lives, too. Right. Yeah, so they the babies have this sort of sad misconception that this princess figurine in one of the rides is going to be Chucky's mommy, and they need to, like, get to her and convince her that, uh... And it's so important to them, and to them it's, like, the adventure of the whole movie. But, you know, none of it's real. Yeah, they they go up to it. And there's this moment where Chucky can knock on the door because she she has, like, this mechanical door, right? She's, like, a mechanical figure, and they don't know this. And she goes inside of the door, and Chucky's trying to knock on it, and he gets scared, and he doesn't. And then these security guards, who are literally ninjas, come <laughs> to pick them up. It's yeah. just, you know, why not? Yeah, so, it's, and then after that, there's this really sweet scene where Chucky and Tommy are about to go to bed, and he sits, Chucky is basically confiding in Tommy, like, how scared he is, and that, what if she doesn't like me, what if she won't be my mommy, and Tommy's giving him all this advice about what to do, and he's scared, and he's like, I just think about my favoritest moon rock, which I loved. Yeah. Um, Chucky then falls asleep and has this, like, nightmare slash fantasy that's so, like, 70s funk, and I'm obsessed with it. It's <laughs> it's a song, it's, it's, uh, I don't know what it's called, but the repeated hook is, Here Comes Chucky Chan, and he's doing, like, martial arts moves, and he's saving his mommy princess who's trapped in the roller coaster, and... Yeah. It's... He's the martial arts expert of Reptar Land. <laughs> And it's like, it's kind of a sick, sick groove, like, <laughs> I don't know, like, and it's so colorful and psychedelic, it's uh, yeah. another it's, high point of the movie. Yes, and being brave and just fighting off these monsters and, you know, all the things that he wants to be by the end of it, he ends up fighting back, you know? Yep. So then... There, there's a line where it says, like, he makes the bad guys say they're sorry. <laughs> In the song, and I just thought that was funny. Like he doesn't, he doesn't kill him. He's not destroying yeah. him. He just makes him say he makes him sorry. Makes him apologize. Yep. Um, 
So then the babies and their parents, uh, some of the parents, are on this It's a Small World-themed ride, but it's with, like, goo. And uh, so that's a whole... World, I think it's called. Yeah, that's a whole thing. But basically there's this goo that uh, (laughs) Phil takes advantage of for storing purposes. One of the grossest moments. He... Yeah. He he pulls out a bunch of cookies that he kept in his pants, stuck together with glue, and they all just, like, chow down on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna throw out real quick, quick sidebar here. Phil and Lil in this movie are disgusting. They're they, out of control. They pick up, on, on the airplane, they pick up a thrown-up-in barf bag off the ground and, like, carry it around. <laughs> they, there's some reference where they're like, oh, look like Looks like there's dessert and it's a fly. Yeah. They're, They're like horrible. seriously broken babies. I don't know I don't know what went wrong, but it's it's pretty bad. I feel like there's a hint of that in the show, but in this movie it's just Yeah. Unforgiving. I wanna read one of my notes verbatim. I wrote I think they're upping I think they're upping the gross out humor for extra laughs, and then there's an indented note. And as I say that, Phil farts out a goo bubble. <laughs> that literally happened as I was typing. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of beautiful, to be honest. That was one of the funnier ones, because it was so unexpected. <laughs> For whatever reason, and I got it, like, as a kid, I probably found it really funny. And it is a thing that, for whatever reason, you know, works well with kids, but, like, Oh boy, they're disgusting. <laughs> so messed up. Okay, so basically we get to sort of the... Not quite the climax. I think the climax would have to be the giant robot fight, but we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, so Angelica confesses, and there's a really... she That she set this whole thing in motion, and it's pretty touching. She goes, all the babies gasp, which was kind of funny. It's so adult-like. They're all like... <gasps> And Angelica says, I know it was bad, even for me, but sometimes I just can't help myself. And so, oh, it's it's kind of a bummer because her parents are pretty neglectful. And we see a little bit of that Helga comparison that we've mentioned. Yeah, where it's kind of, and I would say in some ways, almost the opposite effect, but still they're being neglectful. But they also then go and constantly boost her up and say like, oh, you're, you know, Daddy's precious little girl, and they like buy her everything she wants. So not not quite neglectful in the same way as Helga, who is just completely ignored. But right. you still see that it just has this negative impact, and it feeds this horrible child ego. You know, for Helga, we see it manifests as insecurity, but for Angelica, I don't think there's insecurity behind her actions. At least not yet. That'll come when she grows up. But... Yeah, but it's. It's a more real moment. Yeah. Do you do you want to cover... Can you cover this uh, robot fight? Yeah, okay. So, it's out of hand. So, again, uh, Stu is there to fix up this Reptar suit, and it's, it's this suit where basically whoever wears it, you, like, put on, like, you know, like, the head sensor and hands and feet, and, like, it moves as you do is the idea of it. And the babies are trying to get to the wedding because... Right now, Chaz and uh, Coco are about to get married. And 
they're trying to get to it, and so they're like, you know what, let's just get in this reptar suit. And they're just destroying things. I mean, like, really destroying things. And then Coco's assistant finds out about it, gets in this, uh, apparently the arrival of Reptar, who is robo-snail. Gets in this giant <laughs> robo-snail suit. And they have, like, this giant destructive robot fight. They destroy, I would say, at least, like, 20 cars between the two of them. They're just, like throwing things around there's no way people didn't die i know i was just thinking that like death happened because of the babies and there is a funny moment where they they crash into a bridge and there's a bunch of people that jump off the bridge to like save their lives and for a split second we see them swimming away for safe to safety at the end of the scene and i was like oh i'm glad they showed that because otherwise we would have been left to think that they just died in the river Oh man, like, I guess, hypothetically, it's not really the baby's fault, right? They don't really necessarily understand, but how is there not better security on this giant robot suit? How do they get in it? How are, how is nobody stopping this? And why is an adult getting in this robot snail costume and fighting back? Yeah, it's, the technology doesn't make sense when they're, they're marveling at the internet, but the babies can operate these giant robots with no problem. Babies are figuring out how to operate these things. Yes, and it's it's just terrifying. And they, like, hold on to... Like, this thing is, like, literally the size of the Eiffel Tower, more or less. Yep. Giant robot suit. Which... And it's, it, Phil and Lil foreshadow it on the, on the plane, on the way there. They both have... One of them has a reptar plush and one of them has a robo snail and they're smashing them together kind of funny how that ties back in yeah i think part of it is just to have the excitement of a giant robot fight but like i think it's the most unrealistic situation that these babies have gotten themselves in the most truly potentially dangerous they easily could have died yeah we have another hashtag wrecked from this episode where Angelica, I forget how she goes missing, but she catches up with the babies and says, what's the big idea? Are you babies trying to get rid of me? And Phil says, that was the big idea. And it, what, yet again, Phil just absolutely wrecking Angelica. <laughs> yeah. I, and again, it's, it's good to see it because she always gives so much that it's, it's good to see so her put in her place. It. Yeah this kind of comeback here, but they do eventually get to the wedding, which is taking a long time because Chaz is reading this entire poem. Oh, and, but, uh, Coco is really trying to speed it along. She's doing the classic movie trope of, okay, speed it along, speed it along. Like, we just want to get married, get it over with. Because she's, you know, and she also, like, locks the babies into a separate room specifically so they couldn't intervene. But, of course, they do. They get there in time, and Chucky runs in, and he says uh, what we find out is his first word ever of all time. And he just screams down the aisle, no! <laughs> and he just keeps saying was it. A, a great way to show, like, for him, it's, it's so important to him that this doesn't happen, that he's finally speaking. Yeah, but it's, it's really nice. It reminds me of the yop moment in, uh, I think, Horton Hears a Who, if you've ever read that. Yeah. 
it's, it's kind of a similar thing of he's it's uh, the the angst and rage and fear is built so much that he has no other choice but to speak even though he literally doesn't know how <laughs> which is easy to forget because they talk to each other so naturally but it's all in you know baby communication right but i just thought that it was a it was a great moment and chaz realizes you know that she doesn't really love chucky that they're not really meant for each other and and all the babies pretty much team up against her. And we gotta give Angelica credit here for turning things back around in their favor. Angelica is not the villain here in this movie at all, even though she's kind of a thorn in their side. She rats out Coco, and it looks really bad. I mean, imagine, like, a four-year-old saying, you promised me all this stuff because I gave you a sketchy, like, business help, you know? Yeah. And he, she, like, says this all in front of uh, Mr. Yummy Sushi. Yep. That comes in, and he's just, he's not having it at all. And we get the classic line. Her, someone steps on her dress, or her dress gets ripped as she's, like, storming out. And, I think Angelica steps on it, actually. Yeah, Angelica steps on it. moment. No, yeah, exactly. And it rips, and we get the classic line, I see London, I see France, I see Coco's underpants, which I still yeah. remember crystal clearly to this day. It's so funny. I remember specifically discussing that part on the bus at school the day after I saw that movie. It was so, it was such a highlight. <laughs> yeah, that, that idea, discussing things on the bus again, man. That, oh, takes you back. That's a throwback feel, yeah. Well, and for kids, it's perfect because it's a thing. It's a kid, a playground chant. I see London, I see France, I see blah, 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 it's underpants, you know? And it's a villain that you're taught to hate immediately. So then when she's humiliated at, like, a kid level, it's just the most satisfying thing. Yeah. And so, you know, Chaz realizes that Kira's actually, you know... The one he fell in love with, him, yeah. The one that has known this poem the whole time. She comes in, too. She's trying to stop the wedding as well, and she has her own reasons. She can't make it, but she comes in and tells him, and we, we have this sweet moment of them getting together, and we we go cut to the scene where it says, back home sometime later. Yeah, it's like you get the picture. In the, world, in the words yeah. of the immortal Avril Lavigne, he was a boy, she was a girl. Can I make it any more obvious? <laughs> We're just in it. <laughs> We're going. You don't need any more information. <laughs> <laughs> And then they, they go back to the to the godfather thing again, only yeah. this time Chucky is the godfather, it's which I think great. is just to show him, you know, he's become more brave over the course of this movie and more able to speak out for himself. And so then we're at uh, Chaz and Kira's wedding. They're getting married now, and... Uh... They do, they, the same song comes in from the beginning with, oh god, I'm like getting all worked up again. <laughs> the same oh, song from okay. the very beginning uh, at Grandpa Lou's wedding comes on where the the kids dance with their moms and Kira comes up and dances with Chucky and then Chaz dances with Kimmy and it's like they're just a cute, adorable, interracial, happy family and I love them and... It it hit me right right in the feels. I hate when people say that, but it's I, no, it was it was feelsy for sure. It. <laughs> it's just a good good moment, but you know that's pretty much pretty much how the movie ends, more or less. It's just them all being together, and it's it's a feel good moment. It's maybe unrealistic the situation, but 
It doesn't matter. No, yeah, it doesn't really matter that it's just a kids movie. It doesn't matter that these are animated characters. You can feel the idea of their emotions being very real. Exactly. It's great. And Chucky finds his mommy. The journey is fulfilled that we were promised at the beginning. Not in the way that the kids thought, but maybe... Don't they think that Kira's that princess anyway? From the... No, no, no. They think Coco's the princess somewhere in there. That's right. That's right. Um, and then I think, I think Chucky even says, like, I don't need a princess. I need oh, a real mommy. That's right. And Man. Something this, is a, this is a great movie. It's not a cinematic masterpiece, but I think it's a great perfectly enjoyable family movie with a great message some good laughs we also have like maybe a c or d plot i wouldn't even call it a b plot with their dog spike i think his name is yeah, spike. um and he finds a french poodle he escapes from their hotel room and he's searching for this french poodle they have a nice lady in the tramp moment where a chef serves them food pizza and they get stuck together and then yeah. This French poodle is just in their house when they're back in the States. It's very perplexing, but we know that their love story worked out, too. Oh, right. they just bring the dogs to the wedding. And I guess, like, it's not unheard of, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's interesting. And I think it's really just there for the who let the dogs out <laughs> bit that yeah. I and, think and was pretty emblematic. And does have a lot of just these, you know, fun kind of 90s, late 90s, early 1000s, very relevant, at the time at least, songs. There's oh, yeah. what, Who Let the Dogs Out? There's that Boots Are Made for Walking. Yep. Angelica's listening to a pop song, too. I forget. It was like a Christina Aguilera or something. Something, something similar, yeah. So it's, what I love, this movie has such production value compared to the show. I like, we talked about on a podcast that we guested on the other day. I'll, I'll, uh, we'll tweet it out to you guys once it's out, but we did a guest uh, feature on a fellow Nicktoons podcast. And we talked about how some of the shows like Rugrats and Thornberries, like people have criticized their animation, but I think it's a nice touch of the show, and I have some nostalgia for it. I think it fits in the world, but it's nice to see these characters so crisply and cleanly on the big screen with great music and great sounding music. It all looks amazing. It was cool, to, and I remember as a kid thinking, like, the the babies I watch on TV are on the movie screen? Like, what? I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I definitely remember this being a big moment too and there was the the first movie but this is the one that i saw like in theaters i yeah. i went to it i was excited for it and i don't think i quite necessarily understood the difference in animation exactly but it is very notable now and you know it it just does add more of this high quality kind of a feel to it like, yeah, you, you don't get just from made for tv movies either right. high clearly a more um well-funded endeavor all right. Well, I, I think that sums I, it up, right? Yeah, I think that was a pretty successful first film episode. I think eventually we should do that first Rugrats movie because that's another. It has some tearjerker moments too. Rugrats Gone Wild, the third in this trilogy of three Rugrats movies that went to the big screen, is also great. We'll we'll do more movies. I think we'll we'll pepper them in here and there because this yeah, was really we'll, fun. We'll get around to them, and I think. I think, too, at least with this one, it's probably something a lot of you have seen and remember maybe more clearly than an individual episode, too. So that might be cool to get into. Totally. When we get back, we'll have some trivia questions for you.
we're bringing back now our Nick trivia. We didn't do this last week because of the sleepover situation, but two weeks ago we did have this. And basically each of us before looks up a trivia question, obviously doesn't show it to the other person. We're on Scouts Honor here. We're not Googling. We're not looking up the answers. This is just based on our knowledge. Each of us will ask the other a trivia question, and we're going to keep a running total of the number of points. Right now, we're at a great zero points to zero points. So hopefully, <laughs> we're killing it. Hopefully, we get a little more interesting here. They're also they're multiple choice questions, so yeah. statistically, we're going to get some right eventually, at the very least. But Casey is going to go ahead and ask his for me first. All right, Ashley. My question for you this week is, what year was the last new episode of Rocket Power released? And your options are A, 2002, B, 2003, C, 2004, or D, 2005. Oh, that's rough. The final episode of Rocket Power, when it premiered. I'm trying to think if I've looked at, you know, like a Rocket Power wiki and seen, like, Rocket Power blank to blank, you know, the years, but as if I remember it now. I'm going to go C-2004. Is that your final answer? Yeah. That is correct. Well done. (laughs) And, Ashley, this is a one-week time thing for me, but I will give you an extra point, two whole points for this week. If you can tell me what month between April, July, September, or November. I'm going to go September. It was July. I don't know. I just wanted to throw that in there to raise the stakes a little yeah, if you got not, it right. Uh, it was like, I couldn't remember if they did new episodes in the summer because for some reason I felt like they were lighter on them in the summer. That was just my only thought. Yeah, they usually don't, which is why I thought it would be a good extra point. Cool. Well, you're on the board. I'm at one point, so I'm feeling good. And you might actually know this one. I'm not sure, but you you might have an idea on this one. All right. Throw it at me. Mine is actually Rugrats themed. They don't have to be themed, but mine happens to be. And throughout the show's run, most of the baby's voice actors stayed the same throughout. One of these four changed mid, mid-show. mid Which of these was it? A, Angelica, B, Chucky, C, Lil, or D, Tommy? Mm. See, I immediately thought Tommy, but now that I think, I think it was Tara Strong the whole way through. And does this include any pilots or anything? Um, at the very least, I know for certain it's all of the Aaron episodes from okay. year to year. It was So the character that changed voice actors during the run of the show between Angelica, Chucky, Lil, and uh, Tommy? Tom. Yes. So I know it's not Lil. I'm going to say it's not Tommy, which means Chucky or Angelica. Chucky's voice is so specific. Uh, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Chucky. Final answer? Yes. That is also correct. Boom! <laughs> Which I also thought was really impressive because, like you said, it's such a distinct voice. Right. When I read that, I was surprised. It was a couple of seasons in, so maybe I just didn't 
notice, but definitely wasn't a notable thing for me. And I, I considered looking into it just to see, because it is such a distinctive voice. Yeah, I'll have to look for that. That's super interesting. I think it was around season two or three that she changed from somebody to somebody else. I should have that lined up better, but but the voice actor for Chucky did change. So and it's, it's the hard. rest of them stayed the same throughout. And I, I figured you would at least have a good idea on that one. I kind of was hoping we, uh, we'd get some, some points on the board here, but we're still tied one to one, but at least this is a good segment guys. We've had a good segment. Going, <laughs> yep, okay? it's a go- Love it, please. <laughs> All right. When we get back, we'll have our fun fact, our Twitter poll and a preview of next week. This week is directly related to the Rugrats in Paris movie. And it said it was originally going to be more of a musical type movie with the babies singing all of the songs. So Chucky was going to sing that um Chucky Chan. I want a mom that'll last forever. And like oh. all the songs that Chucky Chan was going to be sang by babies, all of it was going to be baby sung. I'm glad they as much as I love musicals, as you guys know, I'm glad they didn't. I think it worked the way they ended up deciding to go. Yeah, I think there's one song in this where the babies did sing too, and it was kind of annoying, yeah, to be honest, for weird. me. And I'm glad that wasn't the whole movie. That it just gets to be painful. And we can get into that whole debate when we finally talk about Schools Out, the musical, the greatest thing to ever grace Nicktoons. If you don't have ears, perhaps. We've got a Twitter <laughs> poll for you guys. <laughs> Which Rugrats in Paris couple do you ship the hardest? We've got Lou and Lulu, Chaz and Kira, or Spike and Fifi. Check out that Twitter poll and other FNN news on our Twitter page at FNN underscore podcast or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash FNN podcast. Also next week, we're going to be doing a back to school episode. So we're going to be looking at three different school related episodes from three different Nicktoons just to get you back. Cause I know a lot of you guys are going back to school. I'm going back to school next week. Casey's done with school and is above that and everything, but a lot of us are going back to school. So we thought it would be fun. Yeah. So that'll be, that'll be some good stuff. We had a great time doing this first ever movie episode of our show. We'll have some more, cool new episodes coming up for you guys around the corner. Thanks so much for watching, and we'll see you later.